But yeah, let's dive in, brother. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start us off, Jason. Yeah, so my name is Jason. I am a community organizer, father-to-be, servant of the people, and co-host of Monday Morning Pig Roast with People City Council. Throw it over to Richie. Yes, I am Richie Serjanko, a uh, local activist organizer with the People's City Council. Uh, also co-host of the Monday Morning Pig Roast. Um, you know, excited to, to get this going. This is our first official one. Um, yeah, well, and we'll see we'll see how it goes. We're um, you know we we have low expectations, high you know, but hopefully we can deliver uh, some something good for people to listen to. We could actually absolutely deliver something um, essential for people to listen to because this is not only going to be a space for us; it's a space for the people, not the pigs. A space for abolition, a space for education, collective learning, debates and discussion. And this is a place where we say we hate the popo. All right, Kendrick. Uh, All my homies hate the pigs. And like last week, if you hate the police, you'll be right at home. Um, But yeah, how did this space come to be, Richie? If you want to give people just a little bit of a a background. Yes, yes. Well, you know, your partner, uh, Jess came to you and you know after one night of seeing us chat it up chop it up uh and said you know suggested that we do a podcast but you know it is a decent idea but you know the podcasts are you know such a diluted market plus um you and i are are on the ground doing doing real shit um and we're not pundits or podcasters you know we have a bunch of time to uh do a do a whole well-produced thing. I know Al is on here and Al likes to consider himself like a part-time podcaster. No shots at you, Al. Um, <laughs> Al's also doing real shit, but, uh, but no, uh, to get to like do a podcast, it's a lot of effort. And um, yeah, I mean, if you want to make it good and everyone has podcasts nowadays and we, you know, we're always uh, on Twitter and this is a, a nice little, a little space for us to talk shit. And um you know, this is this is a little bit easier than doing a podcast. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it, it, it goes directly to the people, right? Anybody can tune in. Even if you don't have a Twitter account, You, I believe you can listen to the space. Um, but yeah, I guess right off the bat, we want to dive into a call to action. Um, the LAPC Fails Coalition, which is made up of, of uh, organizations like the Stop LAPD Spying Coalition, BLM LA, White People for Black Lives, and LA Can are asking folks to provide much needed public comment on a new LAPD policy for pretextual stops. For those that don't know, um, pretextual stops are stops for minor infractions like expired tags, missing plates, plates, tinted windows, and so on that are used to target and terrorize black and brown people. And so these pigs then engage in illegal searches looking for anything to criminalize our people as a result of these minor infractions. I also want to remind folks that the murder of Anthony McLean in August 2020, occurred after the car that Anthony was a passenger in was stopped for not having a front license plate. So these stops can and have had deadly consequences for our people. And so what this new policy claims to do is it claims to restrict or limit these stops. But the policy, in fact, spells out how officers can continue the same abusive behavior under a new guise. Uh, They want to formalize and sanitize the framework by which they will continue this harm and 
as evidence, uh, there's plenty of evidence that, that shows that it's uh, the LAPD uses pretextual stops to harass, search, and gather information from Black community members, especially. And this proposed policy will not stop this, but allow it to continue. And so the coalition recognizes that, that the only way to end the harassment of pretextual stops is to prohibit cops from pulling people over on the basis of harmless and trivial traffic charges. So we encourage all y'all to email stops at lapd.online by 5 p.m. tomorrow and reject this sham policy. Let them know what you uh, how you feel. You can find an email template at bit.ly slash lapcfails. And if you go to my Twitter page, I have a, uh, I have a tweet pinned um, with the letter that came from the Stop LAP Spying Coalition, uh, just kind of breaking down why this policy is not for us. It's just, again, an, another way for them to sanitize the harm that, that continues in our in our neighborhoods. Um, but thank you all for, um, if you could share that message and tap into that. Um, but Richie, it's been quite the weekend and really started off with some uh, bird dogging. Uh, if you could let us know who was your last victim and why. Yes, yes. And so for people, people listening here, uh, before my uh, before my second Twitter account uh, got taken down, my header was Bird Dog Mercenary. Uh, you know, I I love to chase down these uh, public officials um, and really, you know, talk to them in a way that I know that they are not spoken to on an everyday basis, or um, you know, really ask them questions that they aren't used to uh, being asked in, in a certain way, right? The media certainly does not, um, a lot of the media, I don't want, I don't want to say everyone, um, but a lot of the media doesn't really uh, try to get the, the full truth out of these elected officials. And they, they don't ask these follow-up questions when, um, or they don't know enough of the is- about the issue to ask follow-up questions about certain contexts. Um, and, you know, I'll just give a, a brief example of, you know, David Rue was saying that, uh, you know, 95% uh, or Nithia wanted to cut 95% of the police budget. But in reality, the statistic was that 95% of the People's Budget LA survey respondents wanted to spend on things wanted to spend the budget on things other than the police and so but the media would never question david rue like that so i had to ask i had to ask him about that anyways that was not my most recent but wanted to give people some breakdown on on bird dogging but my most recent was with rick caruso on friday rick caruso is a republican billionaire he spent years funding uh you know anti uh life you know, pro quote unquote pro life uh, resources, and you know he was involved with a bunch of USC scandals. He was a police commissioner from 2001 to 2005, um, and he had been teasing that he had uh, wanted to run for mayor. And I saw in the LA Times that they said Rick Caruso was going to be at City Hall at 4 p.m. on Friday. Um, you know, I figured I was just going to be getting done with work. I, I might as well try to go bird dog him down at City Hall. Um, so I go to City Hall. Um, he's not there, but I, I happen to, to catch wind of him uh, being at the elections office at a, a different location uh, in downtown. So I went over there 
And originally I thought that, you know, I was just going to catch him walking in and out and I'll be able to ask him some questions um, directly to him face to face. But when I got there, I saw that, you know, that it was a press conference and there was a lot of media there. And immediately I thought, okay, like what, what am I going to do now? Um, and, you know, I just had, I just decided that I was, was going to blow it up a little bit. And so Rick filled out his paperwork, came back outside and, uh, you know, he started the press conference and he started to talk to the media and I gave him like 10, 20 seconds to really get going to think that he thought he had the room by himself. Um, and then I just decided to, to disrupt and, and let him know, you know, L.A. doesn't want a fucking billionaire as mayor. And we certainly he was a police commissioner from 2001, 2005. We certainly do not want anyone that works for the fucking pigs as mayor either. And so, you know, I just had to let him know that uh, he can't just get involved in L.A. politics and think that, you know, he can he won't catch this fade from PCC, you know. Exactly, exactly. And we know that, um, you know, his love for the police, you know, it's Valentine's Day. So it's only right that we expose Caruso's deep love for the LAPD. Like you said, he, quote unquote, served as the Board of Police Commissioner from 2001 to 2005. And for those unfamiliar with the Board of Police Commissioners, they are a five person body that is hand selected by the mayor to be the, quote unquote, citizens voice in police matters. And to no one's surprise, they are not. They are a sham body and a shock absorber for the system of white supremacy that terrorizes our communities, and they exist uh, to silence the people. And so they exist like Caruso to serve the pigs and not the people. And we have Caruso. Caruso is a pork chop, right? So you know we're here, we're here to we're here to roast pigs, but also these pork chops, these police supporters, these bootlickers. Um, he was complicit in this in the commission sanitation of police murders of black and brown people. Uh, while constantly rubber stamping donations from a collective of money launderers, reports funded by the civilian arms of policing, and policies crafted to conceal the evil of the department. Um, the P Los Angeles Police Foundation that funds experiments and harm in black and brown and poor communities and is funded by people like Casey Wasserman Ooh. presented an award to Rick Caruso stating that his contributions to the success of the Los Angeles Police Department had been far-reaching and in billionaire bootlicking form, Caruso spoke about his deep respect and loyalty to the LAPD. He talked about how he looked forward to championing the department for years to come. And that alone should be enough for us to know that those sentiments will be the foundation to his campaign. Um, this guy, in his first meeting as president, he organized a meeting with the Los Angeles Police Protective League, an organized crime association that protects the killers of, of the LAPD. And in fact, when Caruso announced his departure from the commission, the LAPPL vice president at the time said Caruso had brought a breath of fresh air and a sense of well-being to the department. Uh, you know, the fuckery goes on. I mean, Caruso was the president of the Board of Police Commissioners during his first two years and is credited by the LAPD with the hiring of Bill Bratton, who had been Giuliani's partner in crime in New York City and the architect for Broken Windows Policing that was first tested in the New York subway and eventually expanded throughout the city. Um, and then Bratton would bring that model and architecture of broken windows policing to, here to LA. Uh, I'm gonna keep going. Bratton, <laughs> after Bratton left the NYPD, he became a consultant with Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm sure he's an idol of Pete Davidson, but, but I digress. Uh, but Caruso in his first meeting with Bratton told him that he wasn't right for the job because he heard Bratton make some remarks that Caruso was critical of the police department. 
that's that that <laughs> um and then rick has gone as far as adding a koban which is modeled after these neighborhood police stations in japan at the grove which was meant to staff lapd officers full-time um, he wanted to house this community-based policing initiative that explicitly was named as an opportunity for these pigs to put a face to what Rick Caruso described as our quote-unquote city's finest. Yeah. And so just a reminder to our, our listeners that community policing is to police what counterinsurgency is to the military. And so mm -hmm. the Koban is like a glorified mall kiosk that's meant to be an altar to his beloved LA, LAPD. So we don't fuck with Caruso on this side. Um, he is, <laughs> like I said, he is a pork chop. He loves the pigs a bootlicker, um, you know, owning a mega yacht is an automatic disqualifier when it comes to, you know, solving, to, for anyone that thinks they're going to solve the homelessness, cri uh, houselessness crisis here in LA, um, you know, whoever he pays to vote for him um, should know that running the Grove and the Americana isn't the same as running a city. Um, it, it, this guy, uh, you know, it's hilarious. Like, he just thinks he can run, run for mayor. Uh, he's just, he just, this rich white guy just going to up and run for mayor uh, with no real qualifications other than being a rich white guy. Uh, and that, that breakdown was great, Jason. Like he is heavily entrenched in our police state in, in Los Angeles. You know, he's, he helped fund the 22, uh, excuse me, the 2020 UCLA study legitimizing LAPD community partnership, like you said, and that, that is a uh, what Hamid calls it, the, uh, you know, a society of snitching, create a society of snitching through these community safety partnerships. Um, yeah. Fuck, fuck Rick Caruso. For real. And we appreciate you doing the people's work and um, <laughs> and ruining that moment. Like I tweeted out like like that's a moment that he thought about for years, if not decades, um, something that he's been you know pondering forever and for you to be there to uh, <laughs> to ruin his afternoon was just it, it, it was it was great. Uh, great to see. So we appreciate you, Richie. Yeah, his face. Uh, he was real, real, real rattled. You know, he, he looked like, you know, no one had spoken to him like that in a long time. And he wasn't really sure what to do. And, you know, if Rick Caruso wants to get involved in L.A. politics, this is certainly not the last time he's going to see me or us or, you know, any anyone that that gets down with us. Uh, and also anyone anyone listening at, right now or at a future time, if you see fucking Rick Caruso out there anywhere, fucking yell at his ass. L.A. doesn't want a fucking billionaire as mayor. OK, like. Uh, why do we think that a billionaire is going to help get 40,000 people living on the streets, off the streets and into housing? You know, that's not going to happen. This guy's looking out for, you know, his interests first. Um, and I know we're going to talk with Al and Will in a second, but I, I, I do want to just make one point about Rick Caruso. And, you know, he owns the malls. Right. And so he's a part of the retail lobby and the retail lobby. Uh, attempts to throw uh, these security costs onto the public uh, with their recent rise in crime, uh, uh, crime wave narratives. And so Rick Caruso was in L.A. Mag and he was saying that there that, that there's a, a rise in crime and it feels different and that, you know, the mayor and city council defunded the police. And he's just saying that. So, 
you know, when he goes to run for mayor, he can give more money to LAPD and, you know, and cut his costs as a as a mall owner and not have to spend on security and instead, you know, uh, create special smash and grab tasks for shout out Karen Bass. She wants to do that, too. Um, and, you know, he that would be like his number one interest as mayor that like for everyone to know, like he, he's looking out for his interest. Number one. Exactly. Yeah. As a billionaire would. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into our next topic. Um, you know, can, there's definitely some updates around the Los Angeles Sheriff's department. Um, can you help us dive into that, Richie? Yes, absolutely. So the board of supervisors, so, you know, Alex Villanueva basically has said that, you know, he's not going to uh, he's not going to do anything in regards to the 4000 uh, LASD employees uh, that are refusing to disclose their vaccination status, um, uh, you know, to the county. And Villanueva, you know, has just said he does. And the funny thing is he, he has basically played his hand in the media. He's like, I don't I don't know what we would do if we lost 4000 uh, deputies. And the the supervisors were like, OK, well, if you're not going to do anything about it, they um, you know, they said they voted to start the process to fire these 4000 deputies for for not disclosing their vaccination status. And it and like, you know, his argument kind of is Villanueva's argument kind of is that like this is like a witch hunt. And he even said in this press release, it's so funny that the board of supervisors formed a suicide pact to and to vote against him that and like that's a fucking one, uh, you know, blasphemous and two uh, a clearly a threat uh, to the uh, all five women on the board of supervisors. Um, But basically it's not even that it's a witch hunt or anything like these people aren't even disclosing their vaccination status. And so it's like, it's just a a level of, you know, LASD and Sheriff Villanueva uh, believe that they're just like above the law, above protocols, that they don't have to follow the same same rules as as everyone else. And like this is now a situation where the board of supervisors are like, well, you know, actually, um, you do have to follow these these rules, you know. But but a crazy thing is now that I'm talking about thinking about it, the board of supervisors clearly uh, whatever fucking power they have moving on uh, firing these deputies. And sometimes they tell us that they aren't able to move as quickly in regards to other things. And so it's just interesting to see that they're they're willing to move on this. Exactly. Um and also, I believe that there was a tank that they wanted to purchase uh, during this last um, meeting. Just so just so folks know, you know, L.A. has a history of militarized police forces. Um, LAPD was the first pig department in the nation to have a helicopter. In 2012, we saw the South Pasadena Police Department purchase a tank from the Burbank Police Department for a dollar after the Burbank Police Department had bought another tank-like vehicle <clears throat> with money from the Department of Homeland Security. In 2014, it was uh, the Los Angeles School Department was exposed for having three grenade launchers and a mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicle, the type of heavy armored vehicle that was used by the U.S. military in Iraq. Um, 
they don't like to call tanks what they are, which is tanks. Like a lot of times they've really moved away from that language in an effort, again, to sanitize their violence. But it's essentially a, a tank-like vehicle. And just last week, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, which is funded with over $3 billion tax dollars, actually had the nerve to ask the Board of Supervisors for a tank at the cost of $1.2 million, which they claim would provide the department with greater capabilities to ensure the safety of the public. And it was their hopes for it to be used in every tactical operation within Los Angeles County. Go. I mean, speak on it, Richie. It's ridiculous. I it is it is quite ridiculous. Like what what does LASD need a need a tank for? Uh, that's that's like the first first form. What what exactly um, are they going to use a tank for? And you know, I was in um, South LA after Dijon Kazee was shot and killed, and you know, to see the militarization of LASD is like. They are fucking occupying force, man. When they when they really like gear up and get all their shit out there, like they 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 look like the United States military. And and the reason is, is because they 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 are they either through Joe Biden, you know, okay, Joe Biden, uh, Trump, and Obama, uh, like through the 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 uh, ten ninety nine uh, program where they send fucking military gear back to local police departments like LASD is the num the number one recipient of that uh, of all police departments in in the country of that military gear and it's just like you know it's one thing to like to see these contracts come in or see see these requests come in but to see in person like it, it's just like wild to see. Um, that like they they believe that they are at war with us. Honestly, that's what it is, and have been. I, I mean, they've been they've been at war with our communities for decades, and they have continually um, gotten the tools, whether from the government or through other programs, um, to fund their again their terror and harm in our community. So, uh, again, all of this I feel like sometimes goes under the radar, especially with all the fuckery that comes out of these the numerous police departments that we have here in the region, but specifically Los Angeles police department and the sheriff's department. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it, another thing that got released last week was this marvelous tool, uh, from the Kenneth Mejia for controller campaign, Ooh, which, was a, yes. which was a heat map of LAPD traffic and pedestrian shop stops showing where LAPD most frequently stop people. Um, and so there's a filter on the map to break down the stops by race. And, you know, there's definitely some hot spots that popped up. Um, and for black people, there were four areas in particular um, where, where they were stopped the most. Um, just so folks know, black people, even though they represent, we represent 9% of the population, we were 26% of all stops in 2021. In fact, black and brown people made up close to 80% of all stops by LAPD in 2021. But specifically, they stopped black people in Venice, South L.A., Skid Row, and you guessed it, Hollywood. Um, mm. We know we know um, Will is on and can speak on that. Um, maybe this is a good time to bring in our, our, our speakers. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So so Will, uh, I'm, uh, you're, you're, you do a lot of different cop watching in, in Hollywood. Um, I'm sure you can speak on we thank you for joining us, both you and Al today. Um, I'm sure you can speak on, you know, what you have witnessed in Hollywood when it comes to these stops, these pretextual stops. Um, 
So yeah, please, please, please educate us. Yeah, what's up, guys? What's um, up? Yeah, I mean the pretextual stops in Hollywood are pretty much indicative of what you'll see citywide. Um, the way I look at it is pretextual stops are the number one tool used by the LAPD to combat violent crime. So if any crime numbers go up or any perceived crime numbers go up or if sentiment in the community changes where people start feeling unsafe because they leave citizen on uh, their citizen app on all day and hear a bunch of alerts that are a bunch of, you know, fake shit. Um, what LAPD responds by increasing pretextual stops. Their general feeling is, Hey, you know what? For every one out of every 200 pretextual stops, we find a gun. And therefore, we want to get more guns off the street. Let's triple that number. So let's do three times the amount of pretextual stops. Um, and that's their only, uh, it's both a tactic and a strategy. It's what they default on all the time. The OIG came out with a report in 2020. It said, stop it. They said it's ineffective. You're targeting mostly black and Hispanic people. But at the same time, white people are actually more likely to be found with serious contraband than black and uh, Hispanic people. So obviously it's not effective from that perspective. And also, you know what? It pisses off the community. It pisses everybody off. Um, so, you know, I mostly focus in Hollywood Hollywood with the pretextual stops, particularly the Hollywood entertainment details, basically the task force. They use that name to just sanitize what they do. And all they do is look for tiny infractions to pull over black people to then search the car, you know, handcuff them and search the car. And it's all about trying to find guns. They say, we need to go out in the street and find guns. And how are we going to do that? We're not going to do any like real police work. We're just going to focus on pulling over anybody that we feel looks suspicious, find a small reason to pull it or pull them over. And then from there, uh, initiate further investigation. All right. I watched this last night, last night, uh, <laughs> It's, it's funny, it was right across the street from the police station. Matter of fact, it's right across the street from the parking lot where the car, cops park all their illegal cars. These guys, three guys, were pulled over because they were missing a license plate. Okay, Now, you have to have a license plate in your car. If you get pulled over, you can expect a ticket. What you shouldn't expect is to be pulled out of your car and then handcuffed and then be questioned about, is your car stolen? And when they realize that somebody is there filming all of a sudden, they start making a bunch of excuses that, oh, we thought the car was stolen because it looked like your key was shaved down that he used for his ignition. How the fuck are you going to see that from, you know, while you're behind your car, you're, you're, the cops pull up, have a bunch of backup there, including mar unmarked cars, get behind their car, their doors, have their guns unholstered, giving orders to get out of the car. And while that happened, they happened to see the ignition key that was in the ignition and notice that it was shaved down. Listen, first off, it was not. It was a normal no. ignition key. It's bullshit. They just they make up any excuse. But the, the, the problem was is they pull these guys out. They put them through a half an hour of bullshit, right? These, they, they were just coming. They're from 69th in Broadway, right? So they're coming from down to South Central. They were coming up here because they thought they can escape the bullshit and enjoy, you know, the, the Rams win. And the next thing you know, here they are in handcuffs. And the driver was not just handcuffed. He was put in the back of the patrol car. Yeah. You know, let, me, yeah. let me tell you something. I got to tell you something. I could ride. I go into West Hollywood. I go anywhere. West L.A. I see plenty of white, white people driving around with a license on their license plate on their car. Right. It might say, you know, keys from Van Nuys or whatever. 
They're never Kiki, pulled out. He's on the Let me tell you something. You're not going to see, you know, the 55-year-old white lady pulled over in a Jaguar with a missing plate, handcuffed and put in the back of a patrol car. All right? It just wouldn't happen. But with them, they did that. And why? It's just essentially racial profiling mixed mm-hmm. with broken windows policing where they look for these smaller fractions. And, and again, that was an illegal search. They did not give consent to search the car. Mm-hmm. Simply missing a license plate is not probable cause of a crime. Yeah, Will, Will, I want to, I want to, uh, because this is a space where we're talking about, you know, policing and things like that, I want to talk about what you just mentioned, like, a little bit more in depth for a second. You know, the cops can't just fucking pull you over and search your shit, right? Like, they are supposed to have probable cause. <laughs> <laughs> or these ex- this exception to probable cause, right? And I went to law school, and I and I know the exceptions, and, I, and you know I know some of the some of the rules, and you know, but it, it, I would need to put it into practice. These these cops don't get that same kind of uh, you know uh, understanding in the academy, and so when you when you see these going on, like the cops don't even know the exceptions that they're using. They're just illegally searching these people's shit. The cops don't know the laws. I say this over and over again, and people think that I'm just you know being sarcastic. No, the cops don't know the laws. Their supervisor for the specific uh, HED unit, I talked to him one day and I said, you know what, you know, I I go around the station. I see you guys don't have license plates on your car and you have illegal Mm -hmm. tents. And he said, you should write them up for that. And I said, I will. But I said, but at the same time, you guys are pulling people over and searching their cars over these same infractions. He says, because the law allows it. And I looked at him, and I couldn't fucking believe it. Because I'm like, no, the law does not allow this. You don't even know the law, but you're the supervisor. You're the mm-hmm. one training these guys and women to do this. The cops don't know the laws. I had a cop tell me that you, it was sufficient probable cause if you're just pulled over in the wrong neighborhood. If you're in a neighborhood where they feel it's high crime, that's all you need to, hand, to search mm-hmm. them. That's mm-hmm. it. And, and I, it, it drives me crazy because... I noticed that the OIG in 2020 audit of the stops kind of hinted at this. He was he made mention. Mark uh, Smith made mention about all the uh, you know the illegal searches, and I think he even recommended that they need to get consent either in writing or make it very clear on body camera. But there's an issue with this. It's constant. They do what they want. They pull you over, and they're going to search you. And people always say to me, "Why don't the people just say you know you can't search?" They do. They do it anyway. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, I, I've been out with you cop watching and, and watching stops a few times and literally the same situation has happened on multiple occasions. We walk up to a stop. There uh, is a car parked in the red and there's a group of young black kids handcuffed with, with their faces against the wall, maybe some in, in the back of a cruiser. And literally each time, you were just like, oh, like they were parked in the red. They were and, parked in the fucking red zone, and they're handcuffed. And that, <laughs> all right. And so, for everyone listening, these these black kids were handcuffed, some thrown in the back of the car, and held for over an hour. And you know what the end result of both of these instances were? The cops let them go. They, you know, the cops can't. They can't just no walk in and pick you up. Not even a ticket. Not even a ticket. They pick, they pick these black kids up, cuff them, 
embarrassed them, shamed them against the wall for an hour and then let them go with nothing. You can't just that you literally cannot do that. And it's it's unbelievable how many stops that like it, it happens across Los Angeles every day. If you think it's bad in Hollywood, just because I put a lot of videos out in Hollywood, I will say this. Hollywood is probably the most professional police force outside of, say, West L.A. And that's not, you know, credit to Hollywood. That's an indictment on the LAPD overall, because I don't just cop watch here. You know, I'll go over into to South Central. I go into the 60s and 70s. The things they do over there are just completely outrageous, completely. Here, there are too many people with cameras for them to just go completely overboard. There, they do what they want. They've beaten down the community in South Central so badly that people don't even know how to don't fight back. They don't know they don't know how to fight back, and and sometimes they don't have the will to fight back. And it, honestly, it breaks my heart. So you think it's bad here in Hollywood? It's a whole lot worse elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll bring we'll bring Al on for a second. Albert, are you there? Oh, I'm here, baby. How you doing? It's your boy Al. It's your boy. Al. Al. Yeah, you called me a part time podcaster, which is true. I got to say, if anybody loves the San Fernando Valley, check out my podcast, 818 Heartbreak. Thank you for letting me plug that, Richie. Um, yes. <laughs> it means a lot. But yeah, good to good to be here with you guys. And I do want to mention something if we're talking about uh, pretextual stops. I mean, we, you know, we know that it's not just an issue here in Los Angeles. If we think about uh, Philando Castile in Minneapolis, um, who was shot and killed in front of his partner and their child, uh, even though he was he had a gun on him that was legally registered to him. So, I mean, this is I think the overarching thing here is that, you know, obviously we live in L.A., so we focus on LAPD and the sheriffs. But this is the culture of policing. Policing is is such a thing that, you know, it is the same whether you are in a big town like Los Angeles, where the budgets are unwieldy and they have tanks and all that, or a small town somewhere where, you know, the the local people can't get funding for anything because it all goes to police and 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 if we think about those small towns uh why do why does a small town like that need um a really kind of beefed up police force right that doesn't really make any sense because um they you would you would think the, the lesser people you have the less cops you would need um but again the, the police have such a they've done such a good job of selling people on this idea of like well if you cut down policing by even one dollar uh, everyone you know is going to be killed and raped and all your belongings are going to be stolen. And I think that the police propaganda machine, um, if anything, has been working um, double time in the last couple of years with the pandemic and people's kinds of anxieties coming to the surface and being holed up in your house and reading Twitter and kind of getting into these bad headspaces. They've kind of capitalized on this fear that people have, you know, people are always scared. Humans have always been scared. There's, you know, everyone's predicted the end of the world since there's been a world to end. Right. But, but now because of this COVID and, and all this other stuff in war with uh, Ukraine or whatever the fuck uh, they've done such a good job in telling us that like, well, we're the only, we're the last line of defense. And you think about something like pretextual stops. It's just so, it's so blatant that they, they do this because uh, they can get away with it. But anyway, thank you for having me. Love you guys. Yeah, yeah. So we're we had you on, you know, you people may just think that you're a podcaster right now, but <laughs> that's uh, that's not true. Uh, you are a uh, member of People City Council, and you are also running for Los Angeles City Council, uh, District Thirteen. And Albert, you're running on a platinum, uh, a platinum, a platform of <laughs> abolition. 
Um, and so we're talking about pretextual stops and, and things like that. But to zoom out a little bit, you know, do you want to talk about how you're taking abolition practices and applying it to your campaign? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we have to be we have to be honest with ourselves in that, you know, there have been things that have been tried over the years to kind of rein the police in. And it's all been reforms. It's been better training. It's been, you know, anti-bias training. It's been, you know, less than lethal training. All these things really amount to nothing. Uh, There's been really no um, concrete evidence that reforms have ever worked. I think they work uh, to appease, you know, the liberals in, in the crowd who say, you know, well, we just need, they need better training and they need to be this, or we need a more diverse, um, you know, uh, police force. We need more black and brown people because they're not going to go uh, against their own people or whatever. You know, they have an understanding of, of what it's like to be, you know, from a neighborhood or whatever that that's maybe not not, you know, that that's that's considered not good or whatever. And, and, and that's bullshit. It's, it's bullshit. It's been disproven. Uh, black cops and brown cops and all that, you know, minority cops arrest and beat and kill people at the same rate as everybody else, because the, the true thing is that it's it's, you know, the, the institution that is rotting from the inside. It is it is the it is the culture of policing. And as I said, you see it in New York, you see it in L.A., you see it in every single small town. Uh, so it can't be fixed. And we you know, with the campaign, we decided uh, from the get go that we weren't going to talk about reform. We weren't going to try to talk about uh, weak ass uh, things that were going to just give the police more power in the end, because ultimately that's what everything, everything that reform does is give police power, whether it's in the immediacy by giving them more money for training and not, you know, not overseeing how that money is actually spent or by later on down the line, giving police more money for, you know, again, training or whatever they want to call it. And so we, you know, we, we know that it's not politically convenient to say abolition, that people get scared. But I think that, you know, we have to teach people uh, why it is that we're running on this and why we think it's the only possible option forward. And I mean, obviously, like, my life has been informed by police violence, as, as a lot of people know, my sister Melly was killed by the LAPD. And so to me, it, it sort of makes sense, right? It's like, it's for me, Becoming an abolitionist was the next logical step in my progression. I was already pretty anti-cop and pretty anti-LAPD because I grew up here in Los Angeles. Um, but once my sister was killed, it kind of really solidified that 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 sort of uh, fire in my in my belly, where I'm just like, "Fuck every police officer, fuck every <laughs> police department." And um, you know, we we make it. You know, we're pretty fanatical on the campaign about making sure that we never we never kind of stray from the point because. Everyone has told me, you know, hey, man, like, I love the campaign. I love what you're doing. But maybe dial back on the abolition. Maybe maybe don't be so hard on cops. And and to me, there's really no you know, it's like we're we're at a time where the police have a really good chance of taking more money and taking more of our of the public space and criminalizing more people because because we have people like at the federal level, Joe Biden and every fucking Democrat who who votes to increase not only police funding, but the funding of, of the Pentagon and the military uh, to an insane amount. And then we have people like here in, in L.A., like Garcetti, like all these elected officials like Mitchell Farrell, uh, like Nuri Martinez, who are happy to give more money to the police. And so if we and we have people who are running also, uh, you know, for city council, for elected seats who are coming pretty hard uh, as as cop lovers, as people who want to reinstate law and order they're they're kind of seizing on this thing of this fake crime wave and, 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 you know, an increase in robberies and defunding of police. And so they're spinning it 
uh, in a way that they know that their base is going to engage with. And so that's why the, the, the campaign has never thought about uh, kind of watering down the message, because ultimately, to me, if you are compromising before you're even in office, you will for sure compromise when you're in office. If you're not going hard on what you actually believe in, not what you know, a focus group says is going to work, not yep. what you think is going to get you the most votes. And, and if you're playing to the middle and if you're you're kind of using language that's meant to to equivocate, to not actually say what you want to say, then to me, you know, I don't I'd rather lose and, and go, you know, go go hard as I possibly can and say that, you know what? Yeah. At the end of the day, I never fucking sold out. Um, yes. Then then, yes. then then do that, then sell out and then also possibly not even win. You know, that's the thing. People yes. are selling out. And they might not actually fucking win because yes. knocking out an incumbent is so fucking hard. But yes. they're doing that. They're they're bending over to to say to not say defund the police, to not say we need to rein in the police, we need to get rid of them, even if they might even believe it, right? They might even believe some of that, but they don't want to say it because to them it's it's political suicide. To them it, it's it's that it's that thing that's going to uh, make people question whether or not they want to vote for them. And to me, like, listen, man, I would, the campaign was never going to be for everybody. Um, and yep. that's fine. You know, I, you, we, I think it's what, what I love about people city council, what I love about the campaign too, is I think we're, we both kind of understand that like, it's up to us to try to bring people in and, and you can teach people and you got to do that in a way that you're not talking down to people. You're not talking at them. Uh, but it's also, you know, we have to sell people on why abolition is, is the only way forward. And, and I think that sometimes we get lost in the destruction of the current system and the current frameworks. And that's fine because obviously we have to do that. But I think abolition ultimately is, is the most optimistic way you can look at the world because ultimately it's saying, when this is gone, there will be something new. And what is what is more exciting? What is more promising than the the thought of something new that we can all take a part in? That we can all say because you know the po police was set. You know the police force was set forward after you know uh, to catch escaped slaves. And so for it was born out of the blood of of black people. It was born out of the blood of of enslaved people. And so to me, there's no chance that that's ever going to turn good or turn to, to something mm -hmm. that's going to actually help the people. So you have to do away with that. And then you have to plant the seeds of, of goodness, of, of, you know, restorative justice to, to build something. And so I think that we, you know, there has to be a kind of a, you know, I'm always talking about like, oh, well, you need to know when the gentle touch is needed and when you need to scorch the earth. And I think that we try to find um, a balance to, you know, because sometimes, you can't be gloom and doom and say, you know, burn everything down. I mean, that's how I feel every day, every moment of my life. But then there's times where you have to be, you know what, it, this is a new world we're trying to forge. And we would love to have you, you know, come along because yeah. there's going to be people we're going to have to drag into the new world. You know, we're going to have to drag their asses and say, you know what, this is what it's going to be. You can be part of our society, but you cannot be a police officer. You cannot be an agent of the state. And, and you know, that is is comes with its own set of um of, of challenges. But to me, you know, it's about fostering this culture of, of love and acceptance and, and saying, you know what, like, we may not have the perfect vision of what the new world looks like, but that's because it takes all of us to actually get there. It takes everybody who can talk from lived experience as to, you know, what they want to see, uh, what, what, what safety actually means, because public safety has been so perverted by police uh, that we've, we've just allowed it to, to take on a meaning that, you know, it means nothing at this point, public safety doesn't mean shit because it, to them, to the police, it means public safety means protecting uh, SoFi stadium. It means right. protecting 
uh, a Louis Vuitton store, protecting a store in Beverly Hills. Uh, and that's not what public safety is. That, that's protecting capital. And as we all know, police basically only exist now to protect capital and to crack the schools of, of black and brown people. Yeah, uh, well, good, good shit, Al. Yeah, thank you for all. Yeah, go, go ahead, Jason. I was going to say, Al, you know, talking about um, uh, the ma- matter of public safety, you know, you are out there campaigning on making public transit free. Um, and I was wondering, you know, we talked about earlier how William Bratton had partnered with Giuliani to use the New York um, subway as a, tr- a testing ground for this broken windows policing. And for folks that are not familiar with that term, broken windows policing argues that petty disorderly behavior left unchecked can lead to an increase in serious crime and should therefore be aggressively targeted. And under Bratton, he kind of took it to the extreme. And so could you just give us a little bit of uh, information on why you want to make public transit free um, and why public uh, making public transit free is a matter of public safety? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if you look at the way the city crafts its budget, um, it's always going to find a new way to give police money. And and if we think about, let's say, 4118, that's the that's the ordinance that basically makes sleeping, sitting down, laying down in, in parts of town illegal, right? They're, they're using it to uh, harass unhoused people to make it illegal to be unhoused. You can't have a tent, you can't sleep. So they're trying to implement this in basically every corner of the city. And every week, city council is voting on, you know, 10 new sites that they want to turn into 4118 enforcement zones. And and what, to me, that that doesn't just mean like the city is, is they hate unhoused people, they want to criminalize them. What, what that also is hidden under there is, is really what it is, is is giving more money to the police, right? It's like the city is going to find new ways to give money to the L- to the LAPD. And when you create all these new enforcement zones, let's say 60 enforcement zones can be made in a month, who is going to enforce that but the LAPD, right? They're the ones doing the sweeps. They're the ones handing out the tickets and sending people to jail on, on bullshit charges or harassing people. So by extension, um, making public transit free removes... The, the law enforcement aspect of it. Because again, if you have fares, they're, you know, especially on trains, uh, th- they're going to have to be enforced, right? That's how the city looks at this. It's like, well, we need people to pay. Uh, so we need, we need cops to be in these bus stations, these train depots uh, to, to make sure that people have paid their fare. And so then that by extension gives more money to the LAPD. So once you kind of take out the the law enforcement element then then you make it safer and so by making it free there's no need because if if no one has to pay then what do you need to enforce right i mean people talk about well it's unsafe and blah 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 and it's like well again we can address things like that and again a lot a big sort of driving uh, cause as to why people commit crimes or do anything is, is poverty so again you're making public transit free you are giving people access to to a really good utility whether they want to use it for you know getting around town and going to like a new spot and trying, you know, food in a place they've never been, or they're getting to work. When you remove the element of law enforcement, you, you kind of alleviate um, the stresses of a lot of the writers. Cause they're not, they're not going to be, you know, they're not afraid of being stopped by a cop and saying, did you pay your fare? Or if someone can't afford it, but needs to get to work because maybe their paycheck isn't, hasn't cleared yet or whatever, they don't have to worry about, am I going to get a ticket? You know, at, at, at best, am I going to get a ticket? At worst, am I going to be arrested or killed by a police officer? So to me, making public transit free is a matter of public safety because you take out the police element. They have no reason to be there anymore. They have no reason to try to enforce people or have contact with the general public. And, and, and you know, I think that 
making public transit free is also connected to, you know, keeping police out of libraries and keeping police off of schools because the police, as, as we know, with these, these stops that we've talking about, you know, we talked about earlier, um, they're going to try to justify their own existence. So if you say to, to police officers, it is your job to enforce the fares on, on the red line, right? The, the one that goes from North Hollywood all the way to Union Station. They're going to do that. They're going to find any reason to get tickets, to give people tickets, to, to you know, have some contact with the general public. So we're, we're giving them uh, basically carte blanche to kind of go and do whatever they want. And, and because we know we live in a city that protects cops at every cost, even if someone is killed, because of one of these stops, because they, they jumped the fare, you know, they jumped the turnstile or didn't pay their fare, there nothing is going to happen because we live in a city that protects cops. So to me, that's that's the basis of, of the campaign is really get cops out of our fucking lives and you make you make the city safer tomorrow. Now, you know, you don't you don't do a study about what is going to make the city safer. We know that police do not keep us safe and that we need to get them out of every single facet of our everyday lives. And when I go on the fucking subway, I don't want to see a fucking cop. I don't want to see a guy there who makes 130 grand asking me if I paid the 175 for my fucking train ticket. This shit should be free. Our, like our public transit system is is so bad. It should be fucking free. We're being punished for riding. You know, we're, I'm I'm giving the city two dollars every time I ride the fucking train to wait for 45 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. And you know, when you talk about abolition and, and envisioning a, a future a future world a beautiful a beautiful world like you know ride riding public transit for free is part of that also like having green spaces available for people you know making sure that you know uh, people can get the mental health access that that they need um these are all things that are possible if we just decided not to spend money on the cops you know and, you know, it's it's really just ridiculous that we have mayoral candidates uh, like Karen Bass that want to give more money to the police. Um, and so I'll, I'll throw that to, to everyone, you know, here. Like when you saw Karen Bass's plan, what, what did you think? Will, you know, Will, let's start with you. Um, you know, I started breaking it down. First, it, it, honestly, it was a bunch of platitudes, right? She's just trying to say what she thinks she needs to say, what she thinks the public wants to hear. Um, you know, she, her whole plan was, okay, we need to get cops away from the front desk and put them out in the field to do investigative work. Uh, here's the thing. You know, I, don't have, I have no love for front desk cops. These guys make $150,000, $200,000. It's absolutely ridiculous. But you're not getting them out of the front desk. They're there for a reason. They're usually there because... They have some sort of injury that prevents them from being out in the field. So she can talk about transferring them from the front desk and putting them out in the field. It's just bullshit, right? It's not a, a plan that was actually thought through. It's just her just saying what it will take to placate the voters. Um, but to even – here's my thing, right? Uh, we don't need to give them any more money. But if you're going to tell me that you want to give them more money, then tell me what your plan is for police accountability. Imagine having an entity that we give half of our discretionary funds to, but we have no sort of oversight of them whatsoever. We have no control over what they're doing with the money. We don't, you know, they waste so much money. I, I watched last night over here at Hollywood Station. There were just like 60 cops just hanging out, drinking coffee in front of the station last night. They have plenty of resources. I saw what happened downtown. 
they were had so many cops. How many more cops do you need? You don't need more cops. You don't need more equipment. You had everything you need. So, you know, again, like Al was talking about, when we're dedicating all these resources to police that we could be going elsewhere, you know, I walk around the streets of Hollywood, and let me tell you something, there are some trash that needs to be picked up. Why don't we just, instead of paying those cops $150,000, who pay three, you know, teenagers a good amount of money, go around, clean up, and engage. I know, you know, I know Kenneth has talked about that. Walk around, engage with the community, and clean up. These, and you know what? They're going to live here. They're going to live in mm-hmm. L.A. These cops don't live in L.A. I was looking up cops again last night. Boy, more and more cops from Valencia and, and Santa Clarita. It's funny how that always works out. Yep. They don't live here. They don't respect our community. They come in here. I was looking at a cop last night cursing out, cursing out a woman at a stop. Again, they don't live here. If they live here, they may maybe they have a different attitude. My next door neighbor, he was an LAPD cop in Hollywood. You know, I noticed, you know, he'd get in little beefs with people on the street. And he'd park his car two or three blocks away. But I give him some credit for living here because if he gets too, if he gets a little too mouthy with the wrong person, he can have you know things right. can happen. You know, there's, you know, I don't want to say accountability. Yeah, it's accountability. You're going to act differently in your own community. So again, you know, when I, when she's talking about this bullshit, how we need to add 250 more cops. First off, what is 250 more cops really going to do? So you have, we're going <laughs> to spread them out. You're going to add like seven per, uh, you know. There's 300 cops in Hollywood. You're gonna add, bring it up to 305, 307. Is that gonna change anything? No, but that's a lot of money in the process that we're spending on that. Yo, and it, and if we got to talk about, yeah, Karen Bass. Or, I mean, she's a reformer. It says evidenced by her introducing the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act, which would have allocated an, uh, at least 750 million dollars for the police um, instead of supporting the Breathe Act, which was looking to divest taxpayer dollars from policing and investing and alternative uh, community-based approaches to public safety. We remember that she said defund the police was one of the worst uh, slogans ever. Um, You know, a lot of people have been uh, up in arms because we've been calling out uh, Karen Bass for her public safety uh, platform. Um, You know, we're not negating the positive impact that she had in our community through community coalition, um, but I'm not in the business of applauding someone for something they did 30 years ago and not holding them accountable for what they're doing today, right? Right. I found it disgusting that after LAPD murdered Valentina Oriana Peralta and Daniel Elena Lopez, she told the New York Times, you know, one thing does not lead you to say that we no longer can reform police. Right. And so there's been a lot of different red flags. Um, um, You know, thankfully, on Friday, uh, the the, the people, the people got a candidate, um, Gina Viola, uh, organizer with White People for Black Lives, you know, an amazing person is going to be running for mayor. And so we definitely encourage y'all to tap in uh, to her campaign, you know, someone that is actually going to be running on not only defunding police, um, but a wide variety of things. And so we definitely hope that y'all can people, tap in. For the people. For the people. For the people. Um, yeah. And I mean, also, there's so many different red flags with Karen Bass when it came to 4118, how she said mm-hmm. she agreed with the intention of it. Um, and that said that she was for parts of it, but didn't expand on what those parts were. She also talked about how, you know, the bottom line is that people aren't allowed, are not allowed to live on the streets. And so she's talked about, um, by the end of her first year in office, housing 15,000 people, but how does she define housing? Right. How is she defining that housing? Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, fuck Karen Bass straight up. I mean, and people weren't. People weren't as willing to say that when she first announced because they wanted to give her a chance. But, you know, I mean, it, it, she, 
her track record shows, you know, her dedication to police and how she'll act as mayor. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to speak on, on, on her public safety thing and just say that it was like, it, it, it was like someone had taken, you know, one of those, like, um, those bots that you run stuff through is like, Oh, this is a liberal policy bot. And it's like, (laughs) give us a public safety plan. And it just like, some of it just doesn't sort of make sense. And I think that again, like what we're seeing now is everybody just kind of doing this thing that they think is going to get them the most votes. It's this, you know, it's like the milk toast kind of speaking out of both sides of your mouth sort of thing. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of people had a, had some hope for Karen, Karen Bass when she announced. And I knew some people close to me who were like, Oh, this is so awesome. And, and I, you know, Jason, I want to say that was a, that was a great sort of sentiment where you can't, you can't sort of applaud someone for doing something 30 years ago. Cause the Karen Bass of 30 years ago is not the same Karen Bass who's running for mayor. And when we see people running for elected office, we kind of see them, um, you know, whittle themselves into who, who, who they think is, is going to win an election, right? They want to become more electable. And to me, it just, it just sort of reeked of like buzzwords and, and things that, that she thinks they are going to, you know, that honestly, some people are still falling for, but I think more people are becoming savvy and saying, you know what, this is bullshit. And, and, and really when you read through it, it's just ultimately a, a sort of list of how she's going to give uh, the cops more money. And to me, that was like, I'm happy that she came out with it. Because now we kind of know she's not the one that we need to be focusing on, right? We need to focus on Gina, who's a dope homie and and, and has really awesome policies, I'm sure. And, and I've talked to her about policing and she says all the right things and I love her. So I think that Karen Bass, I think she did us all a fucking favor. Now we don't have to she pay fucked attention up to her so anymore. hard, yo. Karen yeah. Bass fucked up so hard, man. When I first, Gina first told me like on a Friday night or Saturday morning, and I put out a tweet, I was like, yo, Karen Bass really fucked up with this public safety plan. And like, she could have waited a few weeks and this wouldn't have had to happen. And literally the reason why Gina is running is because of what care of the public safety plan, like Karen Bass, you want to give more money to the cops. Your answers on homelessness were, were bad, but now you you're really thinking about, you know, expanding the LAPD budget. Like we're not, we're not here for you, man. Like this is not, and like, you know, you can say whatever, you know, we'll see, we'll see like about what the the activist voting block is like and you know obviously electoral politics is fucking bare minimum and and it's not going to be what what gets us free but you know like there's there's a certain amount of people that are going to be checking for what we think and karen bass is not going to get our recommendation okay and so it's really you know she did that on herself and you know you want to give more money to the cops well we don't fuck with you and like and so I want to tie this in to, to something uh, from the Super Bowl. Well, briefly, before we wrap, I want to talk about this. Like, you know, when I saw the, the shot of Echo Park during the Super Bowl, I was so fucking mad. I was so mad. Like, the they did that shit because, for instances like this. Like, you know, for, for the world to see, like, this this nice, shining park. And, they, they, and just, like, removing the unhoused people that were living near the SoFi stadium, like the, the, the city just wants to portray itself in such a way and act like we don't like, we don't treat the most marginalized like shit. Like it, it's, it just made me really upset. Like that. Yeah. The city has a lot of great things, a lot of great people and, you know, but showing echo park like that for a lot of us that saw what happened was, was just like, damn, like, 
the reason why they do that is so they can portray themselves to the world like they did with that Echo Park aerial shot. And, you know, anyone else got anything on that? I mean, yeah, listen, seeing that was was traumatizing all over again. I mean, a bunch of us were there the night that they shut it down, that, you know, the, the police escalated on on protesters. And we saw a, a park that held a vibrant community of unhoused people uh, be be shuttered. And then now we have to deal with that fence. And I want to I think the most important thing to kind of bring up when we talk about the Super Bowl is that what happened in Echo Park last year, which we're coming up on the one year uh, anniversary of next month is is the blueprint of what they want to do for the Olympics. Uh, the Super Bowl was just held here, and there was a ton of ICE agents, Border Patrol, Homeland Security, LAPD, sheriffs. It, you know, that part of town was was crawling with, with law enforcement. And it, it's, a, it's a game that takes place on one day that, that costs a ton of money, that has a lot of moving parts. And the Olympics are supposed to come here in 2028. And that is, I'm telling you, that was a test run for what they're going to do. Because a lot of stuff is going to be held at SoFi. They're going to hold stuff all around Los Angeles. And they're going to do the same exact thing they did to Echo Park. To every single encampment, every park, they might have an unhoused person. And they're going to do the same thing. They would rather criminalize people and close off public space than actually find solutions for it. And it's all for the cameras. You know, it's all for this thing that lasts two and a half weeks. That brings, you know, very temporary jobs that does nothing for the city of L.A. but change the very core of what it is. In 1984, uh, the Olympics changed Los Angeles to a, a detrimental mm-hmm. degree. It, it emboldened the LAPD and basically the, it, it, sort of, it sort of signaled the run up to Rodney King and the uprising of 92. It, it, it is a straight talk line. About, talk about that for a second, Al. Uh, how yeah, exactly so, did the Olympics in 84 lead to how LAPD treated the community of South Central during the 92 uprisings? So in the run up to the to the 84 Olympics, I mean, to get to get the city camera ready or whatever, they were doing uh, sweeps like they do now of unhoused encampments of unhoused people. They were deporting people. They were doing everything they could to criminalize those those these neighborhoods, uh, South Central and and Koreatown. They were doing these things where they, they created these units called the crash unit. You guys want to look that up. Uh, they were basically their job was to go and, and do drug raids and do anybody who was suspicious. You ticket them, you take them into jail. They would arrest thousands of people over a month for bullshit, you know, causes, um, you know, that that unit basically ended up being the, the rampart unit. It was the LAPD was given millions of dollars, tons of new equipment, surveillance equipment, tanks in the run up to 84 to basically, quote unquote, clean up the city and make it look camera ready. And everyone who basically didn't fit. Uh, who they thought was going to be a person that they want wanted the world to see in L.A. was either pushed to the side. They were deported. They were abused. They were harassed. I mean, there's you know, there's there's these rumors that the the Coliseum was basically used as an open air prison for people Mm -hmm. who were arrested in the run up to the Olympics. The the history of the LAPD and the Olympics were I mean, are so closely tied. What, and the, the tanks, tanks. And, and here's the thing: when they're given tanks, they were given tanks. They were given battering rams that have like Olympics, uh, you know, rings on them. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: when the Olympics leave town, the the, the police don't give that stuff back. Yep. So you have an LAPD in the in the aftermath of the Olympics that is militarized as it's ever been. That is that has more surveillance equipment and more high tech military, you know, for high tech anyway for 1984. That is that is now free to use it on the general populace when when there's not an Olympics uh, happening when when they're just doing drug raids. And so what happened was the, the you know the community 
trust, whatever little that there was between the LAPD and communities like South Central, uh, it just completely deteriorated. It, it, it no longer existed. And so then you have incredibly horrific drug raids where people are killed, where they basically ruin someone's house and, and basically almost like knock it to the ground looking for drugs. You have this, mm-hmm. this trauma being revisited on, on black and brown people all over Los Angeles. And then you have Rodney King happen. And then that was sort of the, 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 the light, right? It was, it was the, the match that lit the whole fucking thing on fire. And people were like, we've been under the boot of LAPD for so long now that we, we need to go do something. So if we're thinking about 92 being, uh, you know, an extension of 84, then what's going to happen after 2028? We are, we are at mm-hmm. a, we're at a, at a, at a way worse part of our history. We are, you know, climate change, the fucking earth is dying. We have more, you know, uh, police than we ever have, you know, they want to increase the LAPD uh, uh, number by, by 3000 people. So 3000, they want to get 3000 more officers in the run up to 2028. Meaning if 2028 Olympics happen here, we're going to have 13,000 uh, LAPD officers, as opposed to, I think we're close to 10,000 right now. And that is a permanent increase. Those cops do not then turn in their badge and gun once the Olympics are done. We That is a permanent increase that is going to have really negative effects on um, on Los Angeles, as as we saw in after '84, it was this two this two week thing that happened that really kind of sealed the fate of a lot of people and a, and a lot of Los Angeles for years to come. And now, again, if we're looking at 2028 as being a hyper sort of you know accelerated version of '84, then then what is in store for Los Angeles? Right? We've already had more uprisings. We've already had. You know, the, the economic inequality is so much worse than it was in 84. So after 2028, I, I'm like terrified of what this city might become and, and who is going to run it. If we have 13,000 LAPD officers, what does yep. that say for our city? What I, literally we are we're going to be living in 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 more of a police state than we already live. And well, it's going well to be before terrifying. we get to that, before before that, Al, uh, for everyone listening, you know, any increase to LAPD's budget and LAPD's, uh, uh, you know, enrollment authors must be resisted. It must be resisted as far as the budget goes. It must be resisted as far as electorally goes. But as we, as we move closer to 2028, like any expansion of the police state will be resisted. Um, and we're not going to, you know, electorally is not going to be the only way that we do it. But I want to throw it to Jason and Will to chime in with their thoughts about you know, Echo Park being in the aerial during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I actually just want to expand on what Al was saying, right? When he talks about 3,000 more more pigs in our streets, that's 3,000 more uh, William Dorsey Jones, right? That mm-hmm. that permanent increase is the parting gift from Garcetti. Um, and so this next mayor is going to be um, pushing, f- well, is going to be pushing for this increase in officers uh, up to 13,000 officers in 2028. And just for just so people know, in this budget right now, that, that's the proposed budget that's um, that was passed by the, the commission and will be going uh, over to the city council in due time, there's $313,000 in funding for an Olympics planning group staffing. And so they're actually promoting people right now to commander and to lieutenant and hiring on people for the 2028 Olympics, which mm-hmm. is six years away. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I just wanted to add that piece and then, yeah, just, you know, obviously the, the shot of Echo Park, um, you know, seeing what ICE was doing with, uh, food vendors out in Inglewood, um, just the, the implications of the SoFi stadium for Inglewood, how it's affected residents there. You know, we definitely encourage y'all to plug into 
um, the Lennox Inglewood tenants, tenants unit, who's been um, showcasing the fuckery that's been going on for residents in the area. We definitely encourage folks to plug in with no Olympics um, who had a great protest um, last Friday outside of the NFL experience at the convention center, detailing some of the things that happened during uh, these big events, like the criminalization of sex work um, and how they try to push this narrative that, that tra uh, trafficking um, human trafficking increases during these big events when in reality it's the, it's, um, police that are criminalizing sex workers. And so, um, yeah, there's just a lot of different, uh, um, illusion and are a lot of different references to police last night. Um, even Taylor Rupp, who's a safety for the Rams proposed to his girlfriend after the win, just so people know, Taylor Rupp was mentioned in the after action report from the George Floyd uprising. And he was actually, his name was, was brought up during the community relations and trust building working group which recommended the use of influencer campaigns to recruit candidates from diverse and underrepresented populations. And so his name was actually part of that. Um, yeah. I mean, you outlined the, the Snoop Dogg and his um, connections to law enforcement. We got Eminem kneeling like it's some huge protest move. Like, nah, man, if you wanted to protest, you should have fucking boycotted the, the halftime show. You should have boycotted the NFL. Um, you know, the fact that they censored Kendrick's, uh, or, so he couldn't say we hate the popo, like, come on, man, this is some bullshit. Um, but yeah, w w Will, uh, what were some other things that you were seeing, um, last night? Yeah. I mean, when, when, I remember getting arrested in Echo Park mm -hmm. just, just because I was documenting the police. Um, and my first thought, every time I think about Echo Park, I think of $2 million in overtime over the course of three days for the LAPD. You know, um, I try to keep it focused on just I try to keep my focus on LAPD. I think that no matter what your views are on Echo Park, the idea of spending two million dollars to evict some people from a park where you probably could have put them in market rate apartments in Echo Park for like a couple of years. Those same people for the same amount of money wouldn't have broken this person's arm, wouldn't put people through a bunch of trauma. Those are my thoughts, um, and it just it just goes to show you that it really comes down to the politicians. Whenever there is an issue that the politicians don't know how to deal with, they always default to the police. Oh, we have some mental health problems. Let the cops handle it. What what do the cop? What kind of training do the cops have that makes them proficient in dealing with mental health issues, in dealing with homelessness, in dealing with just about anything? They don't. They don't have. They're not trained in that. But yet we're paying them one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year each to do it. You know, if, if I see an, uh, if I see a scene where somebody is dealing with a mental health crisis, you may have six to eight cops there. Multi, you know, that's six to eight cops times one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year that you're spending right there. But yet, how much would it cost to actually have another psychiatrist out in the street, right? Because they're they're dealing with what they're dealing with is a medical issue, right? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that the cops can do to address that. So again. It just, to me, when I look at Echo Park, you look at that amount of police waste, and you look at the politicians collaborating with the police without any care what, uh, about, you know, the fin financial aspect of it, let alone the other social aspects. It's troubling, but it's just what we see from politicians time and time again. Default to the police, let the police handle it. And quite honestly, I find it cowardly. Um, and here's another thing. You talk to the cop. The truth of the matter, you talk to the cop, you say, hey, do you want to deal with... Uh, you know, unhoused situations or mental health crisis, say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Well, I agree. We all, <laughs> everyone agrees. We all agree. Now it's time for the politicians to find 
uh, you know, a solution. The cops don't want to do it. We don't want them to do it. Politicians do something. But they say, you know, they go and hide and say, oh, no, no, let the cops do it. You know, and we'll just give them another $150 million and let them figure it out. No, you figure it out. And I think it's time that people hold them accountable. I agree. I agree. Well, it's this was a great little roundup, uh, you know, the, the point of Monday morning pig roast. We don't want to keep people here too long. We just want to, you know, do a run through of, of recent happenings in Los Angeles in regards to police. And I think that we talked about, you know, a good amount, but we don't want to make this too intensive. So we'll probably be wrapping this up. But thank you, Will and Albert, for joining us. Uh, shout out everyone that listened. Um, you know, we're going to be doing this every Monday at 9 a.m. You just come in, kick it, turn it on and go about your business and listen to what's going on. Um, Jason, do you have anything to say before we wrap? No. So again, want to just thank Will and Al for coming on, you know, re- reminder, Al is running for CD 13. So definitely plug into his campaign. There's a lot of different ways um, to get involved. And uh, Will, thank you for your continued work. But definitely, uh, I know there's some, some stuff that we need to discuss around Nithya. So would love to have you on sooner than later. Don't, don't even get me started. Uh, that's next. That's next time. That's next time. Hey, yeah. Richie and Jason, thank you so much for this. This is awesome, man. I, I really hope you guys keep these going. Appreciate it. All right. All right, y'all. Sign off. You know, we always say fuck the pigs, right? That's right. Fuck the pigs. Fuck the pigs. All right, y'all. Thanks. We'll see Peace. you next week. Peace.